With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are going to welcome in our good friend. You can find him on Twitter, Detroit Online. His name is Jeremy Reisman. And he covers the Detroit Lions. And Jeremy, my friend, good morning to you. How are you? How's life? How are things, partner? Uh, life is uh, life is good. I got no complaints, right? We get that big win over Kansas City. Everyone's all excited. Everybody's happy. And now we get to look forward to the Seattle Seahawks. When you look back at Kansas City, how do you evaluate or grade what you saw from the Lions? Because I said like, eh, like, a, like a C, C minus on offense there. Like if you had to give them a grade, what would you give them? Yeah, I, I mean, especially if we're talking offense, I would say probably C. If, if we're grading on a curve, what we've come to expect of this Lions offense, maybe even a D, because I think they're a lot more capable than that. Um, but on defense, I thought they actually looked pretty good. There was obviously some communication breakdowns in the, in the secondary and maybe like a little bit more pressure than you got on Patrick Mahomes. But I think the Lions played a very kind of safe um, game plan on defense to make sure that Patrick Mahomes didn't beat him too much with their with his legs. Uh, they kept him in the pocket for most of the game, and and it worked. I mean, anytime you you hold the the, the Chiefs to twenty points and then get seven defensively, you got to be pretty happy with that defensive effort. So I'd probably go like maybe maybe C minus D plus on offense. I, I'd say a good B B plus on on defense. So Nick Sirianni brought this up, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, after after the game, and I, I'm very interested to see because. You know, as we've talked, you know, all throughout the preseason, Jeremy, and you've been you've been gracious enough to come on the show and hang out with us and talk about this. We never saw the ones really. I mean, we would see offense or defense. We'd see some guys sparingly, but we didn't see that first group offensive line. We didn't see Jared Goff. We didn't see Amon Ra, David Montgomery, so on and so forth. Go all the way down the list. And Sirianni talked about like how maybe they're going to approach the preseason a little bit different. And if you look at the quarterback play across the board in Week One, it was a little suspect. You attribute some of that to like maybe like the preseason schedule like coaches in in management still trying to figure out exactly how they want to operate under this new NFL schedule and what they're trying to actually get out of those preseason games I mean maybe yeah um I think week one and week two uh, really the first month of the season always tends to be a little bit sloppy so I think now that we're in the thick of it maybe we, we forget that this is kind of what it's normally like um, but you know, I, I think some people have, have pointed that for the for the Lions too. Maybe they should have played their starters more. And I mean, when you think about how the preseason used to be used, um, they, they would get what two, three, maybe series, sometimes a half. I'm not so sure that that much. You know, we're, we're talking 15, 20 snaps, maybe 30. I'm not sure that makes that much of a difference in Week One, to be completely honest. Because I mean, like like the Lions did. You know, they're getting 60, 70 snaps a day when it comes to these joint practices that they did with the Jaguars, with the giants. And so I, I think that can be just as valuable. I know it's not exactly the same. Sometimes there's not live tackling. Sometimes you, you, you need to actually go through the motions of, of going to a preseason game, being on your home field, all that sort of stuff. But if we're talking about fundamentals and sloppy plays and stuff like that, that's just September football uh, across the board. And so I'm not sure getting, you know, a half of playing time for your ones in all three preseason games is going to change that. 
It, it is. Uh, it, it's interesting. I think you raise a good point there, too, remembering that, hey, yeah, so I mean, they only usually normally play a couple of series uh, anyway. So what is, you know, how much is that actually going to affect this club? So they get that win in Kansas City. Everybody's going crazy, right? There may be some folks who are a little bit subdued, but I expect Ford Field, and Dan Campbell's talked about this, you won't be able to hear yourself think it's going to be one of those games you'll look back way back when and say, I remember when it'll be one of those moments. It'll be like the New York Jets in 2019 when they came to town for Monday Night Football, the Chicago Bears in 2011 for Monday. Like It's just one of those moments that's going to stick with all of us. And we actually got some... I mean, it's sad for Seattle, but some good news for us. Seattle might actually be down both their right and left starting tackles. For sure, Abe is out. But then Charles Cross might be, you know, who knows what he's going to be like for the game. This, I mean, this means that this defensive line should feast, right? I would think so. Um, yeah, you know, the, the Seahawks signed Jason Peters, too, which is probably a sign that that they're going to be without their left tackle too. So I would expect both their starters to be out and who knows what a, a 41 year old Jason Peters coming off the, uh, coming off really the, you know, his couch uh, is going to do. Maybe he doesn't even play in the first week. Maybe they're just more preparing long-term there. Um, but the, the one thing to consider, because you know, the Seattle's offense last week really fell off a cliff once those offensive tackle went down in the game. Um, but they didn't have really an opportunity to, to prepare for that, right? If it happens in the middle of the game, suddenly, you know, you might not have the play calls that you want. Maybe your, your guys that are coming off the bench aren't, aren't properly prepared. They're going to have a full week now to, to prepare for that. They, they know they're going to be without these offensive tackles, so they're going to try to game plan around it. That being said, I mean, you, you can only game plan around so much. You can only um, hide your, your weaknesses at the tackle positions, obviously critical positions on offense so much. And given how Aiden Hutchinson looked in week one, given how deep the Lions bench is at, at the edge position, you have to think this is something that, that Aaron Glenn is probably licking his lips about uh, today. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely a huge advantage for the, for the Lions. And I, I wonder how the, how the Seahawks are, are going to kind of react because they're not just going to sit on their hands and be like, well, we have a couple of backup offensive tackles. We, I guess we should give up. They're, they're going to come up with something. Now, on our side of the ball, uh, Taylor Decker, our left tackle, injured his ankle. He was in a boot after the game against Kansas City. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley. You know, no practice for him on Tuesday. Khalil Dorsey as well. How concerned are you about Decker's ankle? Yeah, it's I'm, I'm kind of leaning 50-50 right here, and I don't have any necessarily insider information here, but, um, you know, it, it, when when we talked to Dan on, on Friday after the game, he made it kind of shrugged it off and said, like, Decker's a, a tough SOB. You know, he'll, he'll be fine. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see in a couple of days, but we feel pretty optimistic about it. And then we asked him on, on Tuesday and, and he was like, yeah, we'll see. And that, that to me sounded like a little bit of a downgrade in, in, in hope now that maybe he has a little bit more information. Um, we'll, we'll know more, you know, today when we get to see them practice, see if he'll be out there today. Um, I, I do. I almost kind of view it though, as kind of like a Travis Kelsey situation last week where it's like, yeah, it, it's probably best to give that ankle some rest. He could go if we absolutely need him, but maybe, maybe it's better to, to give him a, a week's rest to make sure this isn't something that lingers on. So I don't know. I, I really think this could go either way. I don't think this is just a, like, Oh, they're just giving their veterans some rest here. I, I think this is something that, that legitimately is bothering him, but the fact that he played through it on, on Thursday, the fact that, that Dan Campbell originally had some optimism um, makes me believe it, it really could go either way. What about Isaiah Bugs? Um, did you see enough from the interior defensive line there on Thursday night to maybe look at this like, hey, okay, you know, we made the right call here, or is it that hey, did, did, were there moments? There was a moment on Thursday I was like, man, I wish we had Bugs in there. 
You know, and I don't know if that was just me because I knew Bugs wasn't out there or if I was actually missing Bugs. You know, it's one of those things like, you know, in the back of your mind, it's just kind of right. sitting on it there. So what do you make of the Bugs situation and his status coming into this week? Yeah, it, it's an interesting situation because the, the Lions didn't get a ton of push um, in, in terms of pass uh, rushing uh, against the Chiefs. But again, I, I always wonder when you, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, if you if you rush too much up the middle, that could leave some rushing gaps for Patrick Mahomes. So part of me thinks maybe that's kind of what the game plan was, just kind of hold your ground there, keep your eyes on Patrick Mahomes and make sure he doesn't escape the pocket there. And in terms of just running the ball, the Lions actually had a really good day in, in run defense, um, kind of continuing the, the late trend last season. Um, this week is going to be a really big challenge, though, because the Seahawks have a really, really good running game. Um, and, and a, really, a couple of really, really good backs, too. So part of me thinks maybe they, they want bugs in there just so that they can kind of rotate a little bit, keep both him and Benito Jones fresh. Um, but, I, I, yeah, it, it's a tough call. It's definitely one of the weirder developments to start this season because um, they, they talked to bugs up so, so much. Um, maybe they just wanted to give him a wake-up call, too. Maybe just like, hey, you're going to sit first week. Hopefully you bounce back. Hopefully, you, you know, you, you, you get in line. Hopefully... Um, you, you improve your play, you, you put in some work, and, and maybe they reward him in week two. So, again, that's one that I, I, I don't have a good read on, but it's, it's an interesting situation. I feel like the Lions can certainly use him, if, if for no other reason. Like, I thought Benito Jones did good in run defense, but I think, I think the Lions could use just a little bit of fresh bodies there so they can continue to rotate. When you know going back and looking at Seattle, their thirty to thirteen loss to the Rams, which I was surprised because you look at okay, who who in the world is Matthew Stafford going to throw the football to? And he was out there slinging it. We'll give some credit to our old friend. See you later. That's enough Stafford talk for today. But uh, thirty to thirteen over the Seahawks. Seahawks didn't manage a point in that second half, although they had a thirteen seven lead at halftime. Kenneth Walker's numbers. I mean, twelve for sixty four on the ground. That's an average of five point three per carry, but nothing crazy. Geno Smith. 16 of 26 for 112 and a score. That's nothing crazy. Am I overconfident for Sunday, Jeremy? I think maybe a little bit because okay. yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Kenneth. You mentioned Kenneth Walker, 12 carries for 64 yards. He had nine of those carries in the first half. They went away from him for whatever reason. Maybe they just felt the pressure of, of falling behind uh, on the points. Maybe it was the offensive tackle situation. They didn't feel confident running behind that offensive line. Um, but, but like I said, now that they've had kind of a week to prepare for life without these offensive tackles, I expect their offense to do a lot better. Defensively, though, I think they're in trouble. <laughs> Defensively, I don't think they're a very good defense. I think they weren't last year. And the fact that Matthew Stafford was able to light him up um, with, with, like you said, a, a kind of um, – you know, picking off uh, wide receivers off the street type of thing. Um, that's something that I think the Lions can can really exploit. And particularly if you if you kind of look at Matthew Stafford's pass chart, everything was over the middle, and that's what the Lions specialize. Now, I'm sure the Seahawks know that, but it's it's one thing to know that the Lions are going to target guys like Sam Laporta and Amon Ra, St. Brown, and maybe even Jameer Gibbs up the middle. Another thing to stop all those guys, and I don't think that the Seahawks necessarily have those players. So, I know I know this isn't exactly a bold take considering how the past two games against these two teams have gone. But I see this as a very high scoring affair uh, where I think the, the Lions offense can get back on track, but I think the, the Seahawks offense has a really good chance of, of getting back on track as well, just because I think they have too much talent, especially at those skill positions to, to not move the ball downfield. Very, very interesting there, Jeremy. All right. Now I got to ask you about the, the ski mask, CJ Gardner, Johnson, what do you make <laughs> of the ski mask? Talk. Do you think that the fans will actually show up with said ski masks? hundred uh, percent. I do. If, if they're selling out in every single place, given how rabid this fan base is right now. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think there's going to be a ton of people wearing it. Um, I think it's cool to have our own little thing. I think, I think that's something that maybe Lions fandom has been missing inside of Ford field. Like everyone has, you know, the fans have their own name in other places. They have certain chants that they do. Lions don't have a lot of that other than, you know, the fight song after touchdowns and scores and things like that. I like having our own thing. I, there is part of me that wonders if this is a security risk, having a bunch of anonymous people in, in, in the crowd in case anything happens. But uh, mostly I think it's, it's a fun thing that the Lions fans can now call their own. And so um, anything that I think unites this fan base in something that's cool and unique, I, I'm totally for. I'm with you. Like, I like it, but at the same time, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned, but I like it. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of playing with fire right now, but it can be fun, but it could, it could also get bad real fast. So I guess we'll have to wait and see when you look at uh, Jared Goff's performance. And there, there was one pass that it, he just was not looking at the read uh, down the seam. And it's like, it's wide open. It's a touchdown. It's 80 yards or whatever the case may be. He threw underneath because that was what they were looking for. It just so happened that somebody's running loose. I'm maybe it was, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Not really sure. When you look at Jared Goff's first game this season, 22 of 35 for 253 and a touchdown, what did you make of his performance? Because, you know, we win 21 to 20. The Lions do get a pick six in that game. Offense seemed to struggle a little bit. Montgomery with a bulk of the carries. Didn't see a ton from Jameer Gibbs. He made some great plays when he actually did get some touches. But I thought maybe we'd see more than you know, out of Jameer than just nine total touches of the football. So what did you make of Jared Goff and the offense there? Like in, in, as far as their performance and maybe something to highlight or improve on here in week two. Yeah. I I thought Goff did a pretty good job just kind of given what the the chiefs were taking, what the chiefs were giving him, Um, you know, not a ton of downfield shots, but like was pretty consistently moving the ball for a few of those drives there. I thought they struggled really on third down, third and shorts seemed to be a big issue. Uh, I noticed that they, they actually threw the ball three times on, or sorry, five times on third and three or fourth and three and shorter. And they only converted on one of those. Um, so that's something that I think Ben Johnson is really going to want to clean up because other than that, you know, the Lions had a 90 yard drive. I think they had a 70 yard scoring drive. The, the Marvin Jones fumble drive went 60 yards. So they were kind of consistently moving the ball downfield during a lot of these times. And if they could just kind of get out of their own way in some of these third downs, I think, I think they're going to be much fine. I think they're going to be just fine. I think they're going to be more like what we've seen in the previous years. So it's, it's those, those key downs. It's a little bit of pass protection issues. We had all those batted balls as well. Um, maybe a little bit more help from his receivers, but I thought Jared Goff managed the game really well. And, and when you're playing a guy like Patrick Mahomes and an explosive offense like that, one of the keys is to just take care of the ball. And, and we all know the streak that Jared Goff is on in, in terms of taking care of the ball. And so if he can continue that, continue just, Taking, you know, not forcing things downfield when it's not there, not, you know, too many um, inaccurate passes. I really thought he only had one or two really inaccurate passes, and that's good for for a single day. Um, I'm not that worried about the Lions offense after seeing what they did about Kansas City. I tried to tell the folks, Jeremy, on this TV, on this uh, radio program and and television simulcast, I almost said TV show. I tried to tell them last Thursday, Jeremy. I said, look, man, the Lions just got to stick to who they are. And don't be surprised if they fake a punt. And they faked a punt inside their own 20-yard line, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, least surprising thing ever, which, which goes to show you just how impressive it, is, impressive it is that the Lions keep converting these. I think, I think under Dan Campbell, there's something like seven for eight or eight for nine on fake punts. And it's just amazing because now they have this reputation where if you're the special teams coordinator on the opposite team, 
you are screaming to your players every single time the Lions line up for a punt to watch for the fake. And uh, I guess I guess just knowing that a fake could be coming is is not enough to stop what the Lions do. And, and I'll tell you, uh, as someone who's watched uh, you know a couple of regimes practice. I don't think I've ever seen the team practice a fake punt as much as the Detroit Lions do. So they're prepared, and and it shows on Sundays or Thursdays. I absolutely love it. I mean, talk about sticking to your guns and knowing who you are and just executing. <laughs> my goodness. I mean, it was a, that was a terrifying place to do it. But, hey, whatever it takes, my friend. He is Jeremy Rise. You need to find his work on Twitter at Detroit Online and online at Pride of Detroit. You should be visiting that site every day of the week throughout the football season and even after. Jeremy, my friend, is always partner. Appreciate the time today. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.